0: How is everybody? Good. I got a little, like, somebody gave me a summer cold this week. So if that was you, thank you very much. So if I uh, have to cough or wipe my nose, um, that's why. But uh, I'm doing okay, too. Thank you. All right. Um, Excited to share with you. A circus performer is driving home after a long day of training. When he is pulled over by a police officer for a broken light. The officer looks in the car, sees a collection of knives in the back seat. Sir, he says, why do you have all those knives? They're for my juggling act, the circus performer replies. I don't believe you, says the cop. Prove it. So the performer gets out of his car and he begins juggling his knives flawlessly. Just at that moment, a car with two guys, guys in it drives by. Wow, says one of them to the other. I'm glad I quit drinking. Those new sobriety tests are really hard. <laughs> <clears throat> Somehow I knew you would like that one, yeah. So we are starting a new series today. Uh, For the months of July and August, we are going to go through uh, the letter or the book of 1 John uh, towards the end of the New Testament. And uh, whenever I start a new book of the Bible, I always encourage you to maybe read 1 John on your own sometime in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, It's a short book. Um, I encourage you to read one chapter a day. When you finish it, maybe do it a second time and uh, read slowly and absorb it. Um, also, whenever we start a new book of the Bible or a letter, especially in the New Testament, um, I always want to remind you that, that when we go through um, a letter like First John, we have to remember that it was written for a reason. John wasn't just bored one day and sat down to write this letter. Uh, He's writing it for a reason. And and usually, what um, the author is doing is he's addressing some issues going on in the church that he's writing to. And um, oftentimes in the New Testament, the reason that the author is writing is because he's trying to correct some false teachings that are going around the church. Well, John uh, was one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, the Bible tells us that he was the youngest of them. Uh, it says that he and Jesus had a very special relationship. And uh, we believe that John wrote the Gospel of John, which we're actually going to go through a little bit later, starting later this fall. Uh, but um, he also wrote 1 John, 2 John, Third John, and the Book of Revelation. Uh, John... Was likely living and centered in Ephesus when he wrote um, to the general churches of Asia Minor, um, present-day Turkey, back in the first century, and and most scholars date um, the the letter of First John somewhere between eighty five and ninety five A.D. So so some years after Jesus had died on the cross and was raised from the dead. Um, One of the the things that you're going to notice, especially in John's literature, um, we're going to quote um, a number of places from John's gospel today as well, um, is that there are some central themes that John often writes about. Uh, One of the common themes that he's going to write about, and it really appears in 1 John, is he's trying to clear up um, this idea of who Jesus Christ is. Uh, In theological terms, we call it Christology. Say Christology. Christology. Very good. So who is Jesus? What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ or the Savior or Messiah? Um, One of the other themes that John writes about as well uh, in his literature, and we're going to see it again today, is that God is light. And I decided to center our question around that today today. So here is our question. Uh, what is one way God in Christ Jesus has brought light into your life? I know it's a little bit of a broad question, but I uh, hope some of you can get us started here. What is just one way that God has brought God in Christ Jesus has brought light uh, into your life? So if you'd like to answer the question, Tim and Bill are going to run the mic, so you get their attention. You stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer. Here we go. Hi, church family. It's good to be back. I'm Julie. Um, the way God has brought light into my life is through this church and through the program of NA. Mm-hmm. It has shown me that I can be sober and that I could have supportive people around me. And I have tens of, probably I'd say a hundred numbers in my phone that I can call day or night. It could be three o'clock in the morning. If I need somebody, I have a number. I just have to call it. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Light has been brought in my life by being right here right now and being able to hear the message that my pastor is about to give today. Um, you know, we all have a life, and we open to presents every day, our eyes. And I'm just so grateful to be here and I just, God is love, and Jesus Christ has saved me, and um, I'm very grateful for that. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. <clears throat> grateful you're here. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, this is a really deep question for me, and the answer is too, as well. When I was in the darkness of addiction, and my overdosed, um, I'll never forget when He, Jesus, breathed back air into my lungs. Uh, it was quite traumatic. Ever since then, I've been. I've the Holy Spirit. It feels like I got goosebumps in my body every day. Now that I'm not one foot in the boat, if you know what I mean, I'm all in with Jesus. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jason. All right. Anybody else willing to share today? Um, For me, when I've had the suicidal moments, it's the deep breath. And seeing the semicolon and seeing people who would miss me huh. and having a family that would really care. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Love to do one or two more. Anybody else? All right. couple here. So we'll start with Michael here. Um, When I was recently um, down in my recovery, um, having you guys, uh, my my peer support, Tim Tim and Aaron and Pastor Dale and everybody here to lift me up, get me to the right uh, where I needed to be. And uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you. Yeah, we love you too, Michael. (laughs) All right. Was there somebody else? All right it out that this is already up there but <clears throat> it means a lot to me um do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and pride of life is not of the father but as the world and the world is passing away and the lust of it but he does the will of god abides forever Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. We will wrap up there. Um, I appreciate all those answers. And um, my guess is that, um, because I know a lot of you pretty well, that a lot of you could really answer that question. Um, I love the image that God brings light into our lives. Um, Truth be told, if we have one thing in common here in this lighthouse family, Uh, It's that we know that life can sometimes be dark. Um, We know that addiction, depression, anxiety, fear, hopelessness are sinful decisions and behaviors that they can make our world and our lives a dark place. Amen? Is that true? One of the things I wanted to say from the beginning today is that it's a mistake to think that you have to break out of the darkness on your own. So if you're in a dark place right now, you've come to the right place. You do not need to break out of the darkness on your own. And it's not true that you have to be in the light before God will love you or work in your life. He loves you right where you're at today unconditionally. God loves to bring light into our darkness, and frankly, most of the people around you could not have gotten out of the darkness without the light of God in their life. Um, he loves you so much, and I just want you to hold on to that promise as we move forward today and we go through First John. Um, and we're going to come back to the whole light question in just a little bit, but I'd like you to grab a Bible, and I want to begin reading... 1 John. So grab a Bible. There should be one around you. Uh, page numbers up on the screen. And uh, I'm going to begin by reading a few verses, then hold on to your Bible. Hold it open because we're going to come back to it and uh, read some more. So 1 John chapter 1, and we're going to start right at the beginning, verse 1. So here we go. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. So I just want you to note that one more time. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with his own our own hands. He is the word of life. So who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, right? this is the one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who has eternal life he was with the father and then he was revealed to us we proclaim to you that we can that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ we are writing these things so that you may be may f- Uh, fully share in our joy. So John is talking about Jesus. And he's saying some pretty lofty things. Um, He's saying that Jesus um, existed in the beginning. that, That at the beginning of time, in fact, before the beginning of time, Jesus had already existed. And he was saying, but he's also been here because we have seen him And we have touched him. And so let me just share with you that one of the things that John is doing is he's trying to establish a Christology, say Christology. He's trying to establish a Christology for us from the beginning of his letter. He's saying, I want to tell you who Jesus is, okay? Jesus is... God, because he's always been and always will be. He holds eternity in his hands, but he's been here on this earth. So I'm going I'm to kind of give you a little lesson. Don't let your eyes glaze over too quickly here, okay? I'm going to give you a little lesson in Christology. Um, this is really kind of a, a significant um, lesson in our understanding of who Jesus is. Some of you might struggle with this. Um, I know that they struggled with it a lot back in John's day. That's why he's writing about it, okay? Um, What John is saying is that Jesus is 100% divine. That means 100% God. And Jesus is 100% Human being, the math doesn't work, right? The math does not work. We think something has to be, you know, 50-50, 60-40, 70-30. But what John is saying is something that, that they struggled with back then, something that some of you may struggle with a little bit today. That is that this person, this, this Jesus that the Bible teaches us about um, He's one hundred percent divine, God Himself, God Himself. But that he's also a human. He was a human being. He was one hundred percent human being. That he that he was born as a baby. John says, um, you know, don't deny that Jesus walked on this earth. I saw him. I touched him. I heard him talk. I saw him die on the cross. I saw him when he was raised from the dead. This Jesus has always been, always will be, he's 100% divine as the son of God, but he was a 100% human being um, and just kind of went through everything else that human beings go through. So the math doesn't work, right? In the early church, Uh, there was many people who struggled with this idea that divine could become a human being. And uh, many of the people back in that day uh, were steeped in uh, Greek philosophy and Greek mythology, and uh, they kind of addressed things much differently. That's the audience that, that John is writing to, new Christians who knew a lot about Greek mythology and Greek philosophy. And um, this idea that, that there's one God and that he came as a human being and lived and walked among us was a, just a big thing for them to get their heads around. And so John is trying to be really clear that Jesus has always been. He was there in the beginning. That he existed not only from the beginning, but that he holds eternity in his hands That he has always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he is this God who we've come to know in this human being. But first and foremost, he is divine. In fact, John in his gospel starts his gospel with these words. They're going to be up on the screen. In the beginning, the word already existed. He's referring to Jesus now as the word. The Word or Jesus was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. Um, Turn the screen, please. And created everything through Him. Nothing nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created. So Jesus, he says, divine. But he also says that Jesus was 100% human. John says, I saw Him. I touched Him. He was real. In John chapter 1, a little bit later, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Um, In fact, what he says is that Jesus knows what we go through because he entered time and walked amongst us. He lived in our shoes. For example, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, he says, this high priest of ours, now he's referring to Jesus, or this author is referring to Jesus as the high priest. He understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of, God, of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. So um, this is the math of Christology. Jesus, 100% divine, 100% human. And, and what um, John is going to do is unfold that a little bit in the rest of his letter. But there's also something more here, I think, that we can come to. Because uh, I know that we have people at Lighthouse Church who are somewhere on the journey of, you know, kind of searching for a higher power, trying to figure out who God is and and uh, may have some trouble um, fully understanding this. Um, John is literally saying uh, that, you know, we were firsthand witnesses to this Jesus. Not only his life, but his death and his his resurrection. I was remembering this week, I um, have a, a friend in recovery, comes to our church once in a while. Um, and uh, some of you will even know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to use his name, but um, he ended up in the hospital um, a few years ago um, for an extended period of time. And uh, while he was there in the hospital, um, I had visited him a few times and, and uh, a rumor started that he had passed away and so I'm, I'm having these people call me. He passed away. What What are we going to do? And and like, are we going to have a service? Are we supposed to, you know, pray or what? And I, said, I thought to myself, you know, it wasn't that long ago I saw him. So I said, you know, let me just double check. And so there was this rumor going around. So I call the hospital and I say, can I have this person's, you know, room? And, and they said, sure. So he, Went, sent me to this person's room and somebody answered and it was a nurse. And I said, well, you know, I'm a pastor at Lido's Church and we have this person who, um, you know, the rumor is he's passed away. Can you confirm this? And, and the, the nurse said, well, I'm standing next to him and he looks pretty alive to me. <laughs> so, I don't think he's dead yet. Um and uh I just saw him this week at a at a meeting so um, you know, so I was pretty confident because I appealed to a firsthand witness that you know what he saw was true and and that's kind of what john is is also doing here if you're kind of struggling with Jesus. Um, there is a bit of an exclusive claim that we make about this Jesus. The Bible certainly makes it. We just sang words a little while ago, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And, um, you know, what we, what we believe, what we teach, what we've come to know is that if you want to know God, uh, look at Jesus. And, and John is saying, hey, you know, I touched him, I saw him, I heard him. I saw him suffer, I saw him die on the cross, and I saw him raised from the dead. Verse 3, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus, we first of all have fellowship with God and with one another. Um, What I want you to know is that in Jesus, you can have a direct relationship with their higher power. Uh, Jesus can be your friend. He can be a companion. And we receive family as well. Um, Our faith brings us into a new community. You can know brothers and sisters who will walk through life with you. Now, in our instance, it might be a bit of a messed up, dysfunctional family, Turn and tell someone I resemble that remark. Turn back and touch them and say, but we are family. Verse 3, we have fellowship um, with each other and we have fellowship with the Father, His Son, Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, He says... And we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Um, I love this verse because um, he's saying, "Here, here's why I'm really writing this letter. I'm not writing to correct you, even though I'm going to try to correct you. Um, I'm not writing to make you feel guilty. Um, I'm writing so that you may have the joy that we've come to know. It's pretty profound." writing so that you may have joy once you read this letter. The same kind of joy John would say that I have in my heart. Verse 5, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So God is light. There it was. Say God is light. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God and go on living in spiritual darkness we are not practicing the truth. Um, Boy, that's a deep verse. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. I think that this verse points to a practical reality that lots of us know uh, to be true. We're going to talk about it now and a little bit later again. When we struggle with sin or the life issues that we deal with, um, those life issues, our sins tends to separate us from God. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I tend to walk more closely with God, uh, I tend to struggle less. The the further away I get from the light or walking closely with my Lord, the more I tend to struggle. Um, there's a quote that many of you will recognize from the AA Big Book that I've come to uh, read in my own recovery journey, uh, it says this, what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Um, boy, there's, those are some profound words. Uh, what we have is a reprieve maybe from alcohol um, or drugs or from life itself, from some of the sinful behaviors we struggle with, uh, whatever it is. Maybe some days even my depression or my anxiety is a little bit better if, if I'm taking care of the maintenance of my daily spiritual condition. And so um, Paul kind of lays it out that if we claim we, uh, excuse me, um, verse 7, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. So the encouragement is to live in the light. Uh, verse uh, 7 um, is a pretty profound verse. If we walk in the light, if we live in the light, we have fellowship with God, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So I love this joke, okay? Just setting you up. This, I really love this joke. So please laugh. First service, I don't think they got it, okay? A moth goes into a podiatrist's office, What's wrong, asks the podiatrist. The moth replies, Doc, I hate my career. My marriage is failing. My family is exhausting. My my relationships with my children are terrible. Sometimes it's all too much to bear, and I don't know where to turn. You need help, replies the doctor, but you need a psychiatrist. I'm a podiatrist. Why did you come here, the doctor asks. Because, the moth replies, the light was on. That is so funny. That is so funny. Come on. In Psalm 104, it says that God wraps himself in light. That he clothes himself in light. In John chapter 1, The Gospel of John, uh, verses 4 and 5, it says this. The Word gave life to everything. Jesus gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And I want you to hear this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. John chapter 8, verse 12 Jesus says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So I want to take um, a few minutes right now and talk about some of the implications of Jesus being the light of the world. What does this light mean? And um, I've just kind of taken this out of what John is saying here in 1 John, but also a little bit out of our life experience, okay? So um, what are the implications of Jesus, the light of the world, and this idea of light? Um, first thing that I want you to know is that John teaches <coughs> that um, God's light in Jesus Christ reveals the heart and character of God. I think that's gonna be up on the screen, Mary. Um, the, God's light in Jesus reveals the heart and and the character of God. Now, um, that, may, that may sound um, difficult um, to accept, or it might sound really logical if you've been around the faith for a long time. Uh, but it is kind of a big concept for us to get our our, our arms around because um, there is, as I mentioned earlier, an exclusivity uh, to Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, in... in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, no one has ever seen God but the unique one who himself is God, um, uh, who is himself God, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Paul says that the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. So you want to know God? Um, You know, the Bible teaches get to know Jesus. Jesus second thing that I want to share, implication of Jesus being the light, is that God's light illuminates our own sin and flaws. Bummer about this one. Um, You know, we should have just stopped with number one, right? Um, But but my guess is some of you have come to know this already. Um, God's light illuminates our own sin and flaws. You know, I remember... When I started going to Alcoholics Anonymous, um, one of the first things I heard was people say, you keep coming to AA, and it's going to ruin your drinking. It's true. Um, so here's what I'm saying. Um, you you try to walk with Jesus. You keep coming into his family. Uh, it kind of begins to ruin our sinfulness. Um, some of the self-destructive things. And um, doesn't mean we ain't going to do them. We know that. Um, but it means that there's going to be light shining on it. And it's that light that will often bring us to a place of shame. Um, and it'll also be that light that brings us to a place of guilt. Shame is not of God, but a guilty conscience is, that God put that there. And, um, you know, it is the light of Jesus that will show us um, these are some of the things that probably need some changing in your life. Oh, it's so painful, isn't it? Um, you know, when we see the magnificence and righteousness of God in Jesus, when we see his sacrificial and unconditional love, it illuminates our sin. And um, it can be painful. Um, I know some of you are that, experiencing that in your life where, you know, we kind of talk about it here. You come into the, you know, to the lighthouse family and, you know, maybe living in a dark place for a while and all of a sudden you're questioning maybe some of the relationships, some of the behaviors, maybe sometimes language starts to change or clean up and, and all these things that we begin to kind of reevaluate because the light of Jesus begins to kind of shine on us. And um, can I just say that I'm still learning about that today? So if you're feeling like, man, I wish there was a little more light on that some of that stuff, um, good luck with that. Um, Because it may go the rest of your life. Because it is mine. Um, You know, I'm still learning. Now here's the thing. If you walk with Jesus, you will begin to question some things in your life. Um, And it is is just the way it is. It's going to be the reality. Uh, But it's not the end of the story. So if we get off the path and get into a more dark place. Um, Number three says this. God's light will always lead you to the cross. Does not lead you to condemnation. Does not lead you to judgment. It's always going to be leading you to the cross. John chapter 1 verse, uh, 1 John chapter 1 verse 7 said this. We read it earlier. If we are living in the light as God is in the light, Then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The the light of Christ always leads us to the cross. And at the cross, we, we hear these words, in the name of Jesus, your sins are forgiven. When we confess them to the Lord, we can trust with confidence that God takes them away. We're going to talk about that more next week, but but we can can be confident that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, as John says. On the cross, he takes our sin and he dies with it. Um, God offers you and me forgiveness. He offers you and me his righteousness, not based upon our own merits, but by what he has done for us. Literally, what it says is that, When we come to him with our sinfulness, he takes it, he gives to us his righteousness, and he doesn't remember our sin anymore. It's pretty profound. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit more next week. Fourth thing that I wanted to share is that God's light will guide your path into a new life as well. Um, And so, you know, if you've been on this journey for a while, maybe you know that. Uh, Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word, O Lord, is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Walk this way. Hmm? Walk this way. (coughs) The Israelites in the wilderness, um, when it was dark, when they had fled Egypt, um, the Israelites um, followed a light that was given to them in the dark. Um, And it told them not only the direction to go, but it told them that God doesn't abandon us in the darkness. Um, Even in the darkness, the light is always there. Remember John chapter 1? The darkness will never extinguish it. Darkness darkness will never extinguish it. So I want to share that um, one of the One of the things that I realized as I was kind of preparing this week is I was thinking about how so much of my life um, ends up being lived in spaces that are not that well lit. I'm going to say it again. I suspect that you're the same way. That a lot of our lives... Um, are lived in spaces where um, they're not that well lit. And the light of Jesus doesn't always shine through quite as brightly um, as it could. Um, My wife and I were in the the Twin Cities um, about a month ago or so. And we stayed in a motel. And uh, before we went to bed I pulled these shades together um, and and I was thinking, you know, that'll keep it dark in the morning. You know, the, the, the window was facing the east. Um, and when I woke up um, the next morning, um, the, the shades did not block out all the sun. It was as bright as daylight in, in the room. Um, and um, I, didn't, I didn't notice it at the time, but my wife Beth went up to the, the window, and she noticed that there was another shade that I could have pulled as well that would have made it lots darker um, than just the one curtains that I, I pulled together. And I've been thinking about how, how, how that is so true in so much of our lives. Like, like we live so much of our life in shades of darkness. Like you're in church right now, you're probably feeling pretty good, but we're going to leave here in just a little bit. And um, the darkness is all around us out there. Right, darkness is all around us, and um, and I, I I think about how in the darkness of the world that that I live, um, I know how easily my eyes can adjust to the darkness, and how I can become really used to it. I was uh, I was thinking about. Um, how when I was um, kind of trying to get sober and stay sober, um, one, of the, one of the revelations that came to me in my journey was that it was impossible for me to walk into a liquor store and pray at the same time. I could pray, then I wasn't going into the liquor store because I knew that what, where that would lead or I could walk in the liquor store, and I would leave God in the trunk. We've all, we've all, um, we've all got these shades that we kind of pull down in our life, and um, they, they, they let some light in, but, but if you're honest, you realize that that they are keeping out a lot of the light that God shines into our life. My guess is you know what shades that you're dealing with. I know what shades I'm dealing with. My guess is you know what shades you're dealing with. And um, one of the things that I thought we could kind of take from today is, is um, how about um, we kind of devote ourselves this week to, like, lifting the shades, Careful when you lift the shades, though. You remember walking out of a dimly um, lit room? You know, your eyes adjust. That's the thing. Your eyes adjust, but then you walk out into the sunlight. What happens? Ah! (laughs) But what if we were to lift some of the shades? Get them out of the way. and, um, And let the light of Christ shine in our lives this week. And I'm not talking about other people. I'm talking about your shades and my shades. Huh? You know, so don't go home and tell you, hey, you need to lift your shades. You and I need to lift our shades. And and let's try to see if, if something changes this week when we allow the light of Christ to maybe shine more fully. Hmm. Now I'm going to tell you about um, kind of a, a daily routine that I go through, and then we're going to close, but but um, this day, daily routine, I think, is important when we think about this commitment we're going to try to make to lift the shades and let the, the, the light of Christ shine more fully in our life this week. So I I start um, every day with a little time with God, um, and, I'll, you know, I'll kind of read some of his word, and I'll pray, you know, and, and I'm going to pray this week, God, you know, let your light shine fully in my life this week. You know? Guide my steps. You know, I'm going to lift the shades that I've been dealing with. Um, and then um, what will happen tonight um, is I will go to bed and I will say, God, I'm sorry I didn't lift all the shades. Gosh, I'm still, I, I guess I'm still struggling with stuff. Uh, forgive me. I'm going to try again tomorrow. Then I'll get up tomorrow morning and I'll remember God's mercies are new every day. So they're new tomorrow. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, God, today I'm going to kind of lift the shades. I'm going to let your life shine fully into my life tomorrow. I'm going to say that tomorrow morning. And then tomorrow night when I go to bed, you know what I'm going to say? Oh, God. Yeah, so st- there's still the shade, isn't there? You know, there's still stuff that's, you know, I'm still trying to walk in dimly lit rooms. And um, Lord, um, forgive me. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Tuesday, I'm going to do the same thing. Huh? That's kind of how life is for us. Um, but God's light never goes away, His light is continually there to, to guide you, to reveal the heart and character of God to you, to reveal your sin and flaws, but also to take you to the cross and to guide your steps forward. Amen.